Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? Beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week, we return to our regular feature, 2001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. It's a stone-cold classic from 1952 that's actually returning to UK cinemas thanks to the BFI. Hold on to your hats. It's singing in the rain. Now, I imagine that most of you have already seen Singing in the Rain at least once, probably several times, but just in case you haven't, to get you up to speed. 1952 film, directed and choreographed by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan, who had previously shared directing credit on On the Town. It's a love story, which is great because cinema audiences love love stories. But more importantly, it's also a story of cinema, of the birth of sound, the arrival of the talkies, and the story of how musicals, of which it is one of the most famous, became the staple of moving pictures. Now, I know a lot of films about making films tend to be terribly self-referential and navel-gazing, but Singing in the Rain isn't any of those. It is primarily a work of entertainment that also happens to be a brilliant description of just how cinema changed from silent to sound. There's a key scene in the film when they're at a party, a Hollywood party, and bear in mind the film begins before the arrival of sound. Someone has a screen on which they start showing a novelty, a moving image of a man talking in which you can hear his voice at the same time. He says, look, you can see me and you can hear me. It is a talking picture. Hello. This is a demonstration of a talking picture. Notice, it is a picture of me and I am talking. Note how my lips and the sounds issuing from them are synchronised together in perfect now, this is considered to be a bit of a hoot at the party. Everybody watches, some people laugh, some people are astonished, someone else says, it's a trick, he's standing behind the screen. Crucially, no one says, oh, that's a great idea, that'll really catch on. Now, of course, people watching the film in 1952 knew exactly what happened around that time in history. The jazz singer came along, changed the face of cinema, and nothing was the same again. Tell them to go home, we're shutting down for a few weeks. What? Well, don't just stand there, tell them. 
Everybody go home until further notice. What is this? Yeah, what's the matter, R.F.? The jazz singer. That's what's the matter, the jazz singer. Oh, my darling little mammy. Down in Alabama. My your little baby. Oh, no, this is no joke, Cosmo. It's a sensation. The public is screaming for more. More what? Talking pictures. Talking pictures. Ah, oh, it's just a freak. Yeah, what a freak. We should have such a freak at this studio. I told you talking pictures were a menace, but no one would listen to me. There's something really wonderful about watching a film made with sound, joking about the arrival of sound, because bear in mind... The arrival of sound pretty much wiped out silent cinema until the artist won the Oscar for Best Picture. But that's another story. Anyway, at that party where they show the film of the talking picture is Don Lockwood, a silent movie star played by Gene Kelly, whose motto is... Dignity. Always dignity. This was instilled in me by mom and dad from the very beginning. Now, in the pre-internet age, no one knows that Classy Don actually began working in lowly vaudeville, doing a knockabout act with his longtime partner Cosmo, played by Donald O'Connor. There's a fabulous scene at a movie premiere in which Don Lockwood tells about his posh background and stage training, and as he does so, we see flashbacks of him and Cosmo hoofing it up to the tune of Fit as a Fiddle, a musical act packed with slapstick. Then we rounded out our apprenticeship at the most exclusive dramatics academy. And in all time, the motto remained dignity. Always dignity. Now, Don's path has recently crossed with that of Kathy Sheldon, brilliantly played by Debbie Reynolds. Like Don, she's also trying to talk up her position. She insists that she never goes to the movies and appreciates only high art. A ruse which is busted pretty much when she jumps out of a cake at the party where Don is in attendance to perform a flapper version of All I Do Is Dream Of You. It's a very special cake. I want you kiddies to have the first piece. Well, if it isn't Ethel Barrymore. Don feigns disdain, although he's clearly drawn to Kathy, but for the purposes of promotion, he has been romantically paired in the papers with his leading lady, Lena Lamont, played again brilliantly by Gene Hagen. Lena has the face of an angel and the voice of a docker. Don, believe me, it will be a sensation. Lamont and Lockwood, they talk. Well, of course we talk, don't everybody? Which is fine for silent films, because in silent films, like in space, no one can hear you scream. But with the birth of sound and the arrival of musicals, she needs someone to provide her with a voice. A voice that won't leave audiences shrieking with laughter. And that someone, in a brilliant twist of the story, turns out to be Kathy Sheldon. And would you dare to say, let's do the same as they. Singing in the Rain was first dreamed up by Arthur Freed, who was the head of MGM's Freed unit. He kind of saw it as a showcase for a swathe of songs which had previously appeared in the studio's other musical hits. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good Morning, for example, was first sung in Babes in Arms. That title song, Singing in the Rain, had been in loads of movies dating right back to the Hollywood Review of 1929, while You Are My Lucky Star came from Broadway Melody of 1936. You are my lucky star I saw you from afar 
there were some new songs. Moses Supposes, which is one of Singing in the Rain's most famous numbers, was written specifically for the film. And the sequence in which it is sung is shot brilliantly to emphasise the synchronicity of the performances of Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor. Nowadays, everything is cutaways and fast cuts, not back then. Back then, they wanted to show you that these two performers could work perfectly in sync. Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. A Moses, a Mose, a rose is a rose, a toes is a toes. Hoop-dee-doody-doodle. Make Em Laugh, too, was specifically written for Singing in the Rain. Although, as many people have pointed out, Make Em Laugh isn't completely original. In fact, it's an almost direct rip-off of Cole Porter's Beer Clown, which had turned up before in the movie Pirate, starring Judy Garland, and Gene Kelly. And in the words of that immortal bard, Samuel J. Snodgrass, as he was about to be led to the guillotine, make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my dad said, be an actor, my son, but be a comical one. Even if Make Him Laugh isn't the most original song in the film, as performed by Donald O'Connor, it is perhaps the most spectacular. He flips around the room, up and over a sofa and a chair, bouncing off the walls before finally crashing through one. Incidentally, the bouncing off the walls thing was something that Donald O'Connor used to do as a young performer, but wasn't sure that he was up to it for Singing in the Rain. He looks light as a feather, but apparently filming the sequence was really tough. Depending on which version of the story you believe, he was either sent to hospital after making it or had to lie down for three days. Either way, when he returned, a shock awaited him. I came back on the set three days later, Donald O'Connor said. All the grips applauded, Gene Kelly applauded and told me what a great number it was. And then Gene said, do you think you could do that number again? And I said, sure, any time. And he said, well, you're going to have to do it again tomorrow. No one had checked the aperture of the camera and they fogged out all the film. So the next day, I did it all again. And by the end, my feet and ankles were a mass of bruises. Now, it's worth pointing out that Gene Kelly's widow, Patricia Ward Kelly, has subsequently said that the story isn't true, that the film was fine the first time round and Donald O'Connor didn't go to hospital, which he doesn't seem to have done. He just lay down for three days. But hey, I'm going to take Donald O'Connor's word for it. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. Patricia Ward Kelly has a lot to say about the various stories about the making of Singing in the Rain. For example, the idea that the Singing in the Rain sequence used milk dissolved in the water to make the water, the raindrops, show up on screen. According to Patricia Ward Kelly, that's not true. It was all done through backlighting, and she seems to be right. What we do know is that the Singing in the Rain sequence was arduous, taking anywhere between one and a half and three days to film, again, depending on whose version of the story you believe. More importantly, and no one disputes this, Kelly was sick when he did that sequence. He had a fever of 103, although you wouldn't know it to watch him dance. It's also been reported that Kelly's suit got wet, of course it's raining, and started to shrink after the first day's shoot, so by the time he got back on the second day, it didn't fit anymore. Whether or not that's true is anybody's guess. Dancing and singing in the rain
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As for Good Morning, that was the sequence on which Debbie Reynolds really suffered. She reported that after shooting that scene for 14 straight hours, her feet were bleeding. Gene Kelly was a very hard taskmaster and apparently regularly reduced Debbie Reynolds to tears. In an interview for the American Film Institute, Debbie Reynolds recalls the pain of making Singing in the Rain. She recalls one day hiding under the piano and hearing a familiar voice calling her out, which was Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire said, what's up? And she said, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Fred Astaire said, come with me. I'm going to show you something that no one else gets to see. And he took Debbie Reynolds into his rehearsal room where there was just him and a drummer. And he then let Debbie Reynolds watch him rehearse for an hour straight. And he was sweating and puffing and hurting and in pain. And after the hour, he said, OK, that's enough. The point that he was making was none of this comes easy. And as he said to Debbie Reynolds at the time, it doesn't get any easier. He said, look, I look like I know what I'm doing, but this is the pain behind it. If you want to do it, this is how you have to work. Debbie Reynolds would later say that the two most painful things she ever did in her life was giving birth and making singing in the rain. It does, however, prove the first rule of comedy. The more fun it is to make a movie, the less fun it is to watch. <laughs> and in the case of singing in the rain, filming it was no fun at all which is why we're still watching it today. Now, like I said, Singing in the Rain does have a brilliant narrative built around existing songs to tell the story of the birth of sound cinema. But it also has strange diversions, one of which is a kind of lengthy fantasy number, which features Sid Charisse. She turns up with Louise Brooks' hair and Alien Queen legs. And incidentally, the Alien Queen reference is not random. When making Aliens, the sequel to Alien, James Cameron said that the Alien Queen should have the teeth of the devil and the legs of Sid Charisse. He was a fan of Singing in the Rain. The scene with Sid Charisse and Gene Kelly turned out to be so racy that the Catholic Church's Legion of Decency demanded a cut to remove what they considered to be an improper pose. Now, records aren't entirely specific about exactly what was cut, but when you watch that sequence, you can see a jump toward the end of it where something has clearly been taken out. Like It's a Wonderful Life, Singing in the Rain wasn't a huge hit when it was first released. It was a solid box office success, and it sneaked into the year's box office top ten, but it wasn't universally hailed by critics. Gene Hagen was nominated for an Oscar, and the film earned some Golden Globe attention, but nothing that would suggest that it would go on to be held as one of the greatest movies of all time. Indeed, today, 
any top 10 list of the best movies ever made could pretty much be expected to include Singing in the Rain, certainly the list of top 10 musicals. It wasn't until some years after the film had been released that people started to appreciate its impact. I remember seeing Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange for the first time and being astonished that in one of the film's most shockingly violent sequences, Malcolm McDowell suddenly bursts into song and starts imitating Gene Kelly singing, Singing in the Rain. If you're a regular to this podcast, you will have heard my interview with Malcolm McDowell in which he talks about how that idea came to him spontaneously. Apparently, the rights then had to be cleared after the fact. All that happened on set was he started doing it and Stanley Kubrick started doubling up with laughter and saying, you have to keep that in the movie. It went on to be one of the most famous scenes from Clockwork Orange, although Gene Kelly was apparently hugely unimpressed. I also remember watching the Coen Brothers film Hail Caesar with its brilliant Would That It Were So Simple sequence and thinking... Well, that's a straight lift from Singing in the Rain. In Singing in the Rain, there's a brilliantly memorable sequence in which an elocution instructor attempts to teach Lena Lamont, as I said before, face of an angel, voice of a docker, to speak properly for her new role in sound movies. And I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. Can't. Can't. There's a brilliant joke later on when we see the finished film in which Lena says... Clearly the Coens love Singing in the Rain every bit as much as Malcolm McDowell did because that entire Would That It Were So Simple scene is basically an updated version of I Can't Stand Him. Of course, in the case of Lena Lamont, within the fiction of Singing in the Rain, the studio finally decide to simply have her voice dubbed by somebody else. That somebody else turning out to be Kathy Sheldon. So in the film we see Kathy singing for Lena, but here's the interesting thing. In the sequence in which Kathy, played by Debbie Reynolds, dubs Lena, played by Gene Hagen, the voice of Debbie Reynolds is actually dubbed by Betty Noyes. So in effect, Betty Noyes is dubbing Debbie Reynolds, dubbing Gene Hagen. Things became even more complicated when it comes to the dialogue. So in the sequence in which we see Kathy dubbing the speaking voice of Lena, Oh Pierre, hold me in your arms always. The voice we hear is not Debbie Reynolds playing Kathy but the voice of Gene Hagen playing Lena. So essentially, Gene Hagen is dubbing Debbie Reynolds, dubbing Gene Hagen. You keeping up with this? There's also a story recounted by Gwen Verdon that during the Singing in the Rain sequence, the sound of Gene Kelly's tap dancing is actually not the sound of Gene Kelly's feet, but the sound of her feet splashing around in water. Gwen Verdon told this story on the Dick Cavett television show, but Patricia Ward Kelly says, no, it's not true. To quote... The sound engineer was a guy named Bill Saraceno. I interviewed him after Gene died and he confirmed absolutely that Gene dubbed his own taps. Gene did standard metal taps and Saraceno created a kind of squish sound in the sound engineering. Singing in the Rain is full of these kind of stories and there's a simple reason. Any movie that becomes this successful will spawn a million different versions of just how it all came together. But one of the great joys of Singing in the Rain is that in the end, it doesn't matter whose voice it is or whose feet we're hearing. What matters is that the film itself comes together absolutely perfectly. Like so many great movies, it seems to have come together almost by accident. Yes, the studio knew that stellar talent was involved in this production and they expected to be making something good. But no one really knew that what they were making was a piece of art that would last for decades to come. As I said before, Singing in the Rain is coming back to UK cinemas in October and that in itself is a cause for rejoicing. If you've never seen it on the big screen, make the trip. 
It is simply one of the greatest cinema experiences of all time. Doopy doo doo doopy doopy doo doo doopy doopy doo doo doopy doo. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, and if you've enjoyed it, remember to subscribe. Keep watching the skies. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.